Okay, so this afternoon I'd like to continue this process of what I'm calling refining the mind by going a little further now into the four establishments of mindfulness. Now, so far on the retreat, we've been developing a strong foundation of mindfulness of the body, which is the first of the four establishments of mindfulness in the Satipatthana Sutta. And we've been strengthening our capacity to just be with experience exactly as it is, with what's known as bare awareness. In other words, a basic non-reactivity to whatever physical sensations present themselves. So now that our sati and samadhi are a bit stronger, we can open up the field of our awareness beyond just the body and breathing to include what in the Buddha's teachings are known as the six sense doors. So these include the five physical senses that we're familiar with, seeing and hearing and smelling and tasting and bodily sensations. And then in the Buddha's teachings, the mind is included as a sense door because it can receive visual images and hear mental sounds and generate all kinds of internal sense impressions. So in the Satipatthana Sutta, we're invited to practice mindfulness of all six senses so that ultimately nothing is left out of the field of our awareness. And even though ordinarily we might tend to think of our experience as being pretty complex, if we investigate it closely, we see that in any moment there's actually only one of six things happening. There's a sight, a sound, a smell, a taste, some kind of physical sensation, and some kind of mental activity. So a thought or an emotion, a mood or a mind state. So that's all that's happening, moment to moment. And it's a little bit like a six-piece orchestra or a six-piece band. We can listen to the music overall, or we can choose to focus on just the singer, or just the guitar, or just the drums, and so on. So we're starting to open up the field of our awareness now to include, beyond just mindfulness of breathing and physical sensations, to include all of the sense doors. Now again, in our ordinary, everyday life, we tend to experience these different sense contacts as like a, a constant stream of sights and sounds and smells and tastes and so on. And so we tend not to recognize that what we conventionally experience as me in the world is actually just made up of individual moments of seeing and hearing and smelling and tasting and touching and thinking and so on. So sometimes I like to check, have any of you ever experienced anything that was not one of these six sense experiences? No. And yet we tend to think that, you know, just recognizing that this is a process of sense contact, it's an important insight that what we think of as the world out there and me in here is actually just a process, a flow of sense impressions that this entity itself is generating and receiving. 
And if we can understand how this process is happening, it's easier to not get lost in the content of it, to not cling to it, to not resist it, to not take it personally. So what we're starting to do now is to deconstruct our experience into its component parts. And in fact, a literal translation of Vipassana is as seeing separately, seeing distinctly, how these different aspects of experience combine to create that sense of me in here and you and the world out there. So we can start to directly experience how our human physiology takes in data from the sense doors and begins to construct a sense of self out of it, which is enhanced by our habitual mental reactions to those sights and sounds and smells and so on. Now again, in our ordinary everyday lives, when we have an experience at one of the sense doors, we usually have an automatic mental reaction of liking or disliking. And when there's no mindfulness, that gets amplified into clinging or resisting. And then that gets proliferated into a thought storm that takes us further and further from the immediacy of our present experience and into those looping, afflictive thought patterns that we were exploring the other night. So as an antidote to that tendency, we can keep coming back to just the bare awareness of just the physical senses. Just that is a very powerful protection. An ache in the back. An in-breath, the sound of a calm. Hollowness in the belly. Pressure of the sitting bones another car, and so on. So what we're doing is noticing what's happening in the body, and then separately, the mental responses to it. And again, this is a key skill in Vipassana practice. So one of the advantages of being able to do this is that although we can't always control what happens to our bodies, we do have some control over our mental reactions to those experiences. And again, this sounds simple, but as we know from our own experience, not so easy to keep maintaining this quality of bare awareness, non-reactivity. So as a support for that, the Buddha invited us to pay very close attention to an aspect of our mental experience that's usually overlooked, but is actually crucial in helping us to cut through the chain reaction. And this is the quality known as feeling tone, or Vedana, to use the Pali word. And the Buddha saw this relatively simple, deceptively simple aspect of experience as being so important that he gave it its its own establishment of mindfulness. So it is the second establishment of mindfulness in the Satipatthana Sutta. So this term, feeling tone, or Vedana, refers to that very simple recognition that each sense contact is automatically known as being either pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. 
So it's that very first hit of knowing a sight as pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, a sound registering as pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, and so on, before the mind then complexifies it into some kind of emotional reaction, some kind of liking or disliking. Now sometimes we see this word Vedana translated as feelings, but this can be confusing because in English the word feelings also refers to our emotions. But Vedana is more simple than that. It's what happens before we create an emotional response to something. So most of us, immediately after that first recognition of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, there are three pretty basic reactions. And this is pretty common sense. If something registers as pleasant, what's our usual response? Yes, cling, hold on, want to prolong it, want to enhance it, not want it to go away. And obviously if it's unpleasant, push it away, get rid of it, stop it, make it go away. And if it's neutral, Who knows? Spin, <laughs> space out, disconnect, or go looking for something more stimulating to fill the apparent void. So these three feeling tones tend to condition movements towards, away from, or spinning around in, you could say, stasis. On the other hand, if we can bring more awareness to this feeling tone, we have a better chance of being able to respond skillfully to it rather than automatically. So there's a very famous quote uh, in relation to this from the psychologist and Auschwitz survivor Viktor Frankl. Some of you probably know it. So he says, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response, lies our growth and our freedom. So that quote is pointing very directly to the link between mindfulness of Vedana and freedom. The more we can open up that space between the stimulus and the response, the more choice we have about how to respond rather than just react out of habit or on autopilot. So Vedana is deceptively simple and immensely powerful in how it shapes our world. So just as an example from my own experience, again on retreat at the Forest Refuge a few years ago, quite a few years ago now, after I'd been settling in for a few weeks, my mind just kept going back over and over and over again to a pretty intense interpersonal conflict that I'd had with a group of people. I think it was about five years prior to the retreat. My mind just kept getting sucked into what had happened and who had said what and how I'd reacted and what I should have said and how they should have behaved and who was right and who was wrong. I don't know if any of you recognize that syndrome, but I was pretty locked into it. And it went on for days, maybe even a week, until I finally recognized, well, the overall feeling tone of it was definitely unpleasant. 
So then I got interested in looking more carefully, what is the feeling tone here? And I suddenly understood that on one level, the entire conflict was initially triggered and then maintained and then prolonged and then repeated by unpleasant feeling tone and by the failure of everyone involved in that situation to relate more skillfully to those unpleasant feeling tones. So just to look at that, and you might try this with some difficult situation of your own. At the start of the conflict, what had happened, I heard some unpleasant words. I saw some unpleasant facial expressions. I witnessed some unpleasant actions, all of which set off some unpleasant sensations in the body and some unpleasant emotions in the heart and the mind, which gave rise to unpleasant thought storms which proliferated and cycled around and enhanced the whole unpleasant feeling tone drama and continued every time I re-remembered that conflict. But fortunately in the silence, the stillness, the solitude, the simplicity of being on retreat, I was finally able to see through that and to relate differently to that unpleasant Vedana. And I'd say that is true of every conflict in the world, every small conflict, every war, every act of harmful behavior originates out of an unwise reaction to feeling tone. So I started to understand why the Buddha puts so much emphasis on mindfulness of feeling tone. And because it is so important, I'd like us to take some time now to explore it more directly in our experience. And again, working together in pairs so that we can practice recognizing these different aspects of feeling tone. Now, again, this will be optional. So if you feel that at this point some other form of practice would serve you better, then in a moment when we come to standing and to walking, you can just slip out and do what you need to do. And you might notice the feeling tone that might be motivating that decision. So just bringing awareness to it and making a skillful choice. Okay. So let's give that a try.